0: What and Hardwood Knock listeners? I am Dan Valley coming at you once more without my fantabulous co-host, Adam Brommel. As our team look-ahead train continues to roll on, we are up to the Los Angeles Lakers, whose biggest move of the offseason was signing Wayne Ellington. So we're definitely going to get into that. I had to bring back on Jabari Ali-Davis you can follow him on twitter at jabari davis mba that's at j a b a r i d a v i s n b a he is co-host of the baseline and never meet your heroes podcast for 19 media group go ahead and give him a follow check out those podcasts at mba baseline for the baseline at n my h pod sorry for stumbling through that that's at n m y h p o d That's the Never Meet Your Heroes pod. We have a great conversation. Before we get into it, though, my usual housekeeping notes, my usual please. Keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast, por favor. It really helps us out in the charts, and that's how we continue to get this podcast out there. If this is your first time listening to us because you really love the Lakers, maybe you're just a Jabari stan, I'm right there with you perhaps you're here on accident, you don't even know how you clicked on this or someone sent it to you, consider throwing us that permanent subscription, downloading every episode. We do ask that everyone, whether they use iTunes or not, if you have access to it, go to iTunes, search Hardwood Knox, throw us that five-star rating, write a review, and you can be as mean as you want in the reviews. We want you to be as honest as humanly possible, just so long as you throw us that five-star rating, because that, again, helps us a ton in the charts. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. You can follow our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com, search Hardwood Knox. We will come up, subscribe to that. And we are also on Instagram at Hardwood underscore Knox. Let's get to lots of Los Angeles. Well, first, before we get there, I want to note that because we've had such a podcast backlog, I've elected to publish teams that might do something weird or have more pressing issues going on first um ipso facto going and publishing the next the brooklyn nets one right away because of the Kyrie situation knowing that information there can be dated pretty quickly with the lakers i have held this podcast for almost a week we recorded before we found out about trevor reason being out two months for his right ankle surgery please consider that it doesn't impact the pod wholesale at all i also cannot remember that's how long ago it was whether we recorded this before we kind of found out that Anthony Davis is not going to be starting at center. I think we mentioned that maybe he'll be starting at power forward next to DeAndre Jordan. That is the expectation around LA. So please keep those things in mind as you're going through this podcast. All the information though, is still very pertinent since the Lakers, obviously they really physically can't do anything major with their roster. Even if they wanted to, uh, they're not trading any of their three main guys in Russell Westbrook, LeBron or AD. They can't even trade talent, Horton Tucker, uh, because of the contract that he just signed so there's not like they don't have the p first of all most of their rosters for agencies so they just can't make a move all the information was still pertinent sorry for stumbling through that but let's get to lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of los angeles lakers talk both short term near term super long term i guess that's three things but we talk about it with jabari ali davis let's get to it jabari Thank you so much for coming back on the Hardwood Knox podcast to once again school me on some Lakers talk. First and foremost, though, how the hell are you?
1: I'm doing all right, Dan. And for one, I don't think I'll be doing any schooling, but I, I certainly appreciate the invitation again, give my man. man.
0: Um, hey, look, also, this is your third time because I have a spreadsheet to make sure I don't bother people more than once or twice a year unless I really dislike them, apparently. But this is your third time. So the first two times, I feel like you could be nice. Maybe I tricked you. The third time, it's your fault. Like, you agreed to come yes. back. I'm not going to take responsibility for that.
1: A thousand percent. And I, 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 I actually mean it when I say it. It's an honor each time. You got a great show. And then, you then know, I, I didn't realize it was a third. For whatever reason, I thought it was a second. So, obviously, it's not a bother.
0: Um. So, the Lakers, they didn't really do anything over the offseason, right? It was kind of boring.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, they just sat around, didn't really make any moves. It was, you know, it was kind of frustrating from a fan perspective. Uh,
0: especially if you're a Kings fan and thought that you were dealing buddy healed for a certain, a certain fact <laughs> or if you're buddy healed <laughs> yeah. that too. Um, so what are your just, I mean, you have to start there. Like that is, that might be, and obviously we've seen LeBron go to Miami with the big three, but this is like one of the most polarizing moves in recent memory because of, we have all this evidence that Westbrook probably shouldn't play with the way the Lakers are built, like a guy like LeBron. Mm-hmm. And yet here they are, they made that move. So what, what are your just? What are your thoughts on the one, the Lakers, the decision that they made, which was essentially Russ over Buddy Hield or maybe whatever else was out there, and two, like how? What is the path to making this work?
1: Basically, I'm not gonna lie and say that you know, like I wasn't concerned at the start of this, especially since like, most of the signs that you know we had going into it, uh, it was some some combination of Buddy Hield and possibly DeMar DeRozan or you know things of that nature, and then all of a sudden, nope, Russ. So again, like like I've always been a Russ fan. I've always I've always appreciated him, you know. But you know, when asked in previous years if I wanted him on the Lakers, I I would have just said like no because I didn't necessarily love the fit. Where I ultimately landed, honestly, and you know, was with the you know the reality is that Russ is still you know, what I consider a significant you know like uh, upgrade at the position over last year. Uh, flaws and quirkiness of the of the fit and all, you know. You know be, but beyond bringing. What I honestly feel is exactly the motor that this team was lacking last year, especially when LeBron was not at full health or very specifically not in the game. Russ brings a presence that I think AD personally absolutely needs, and I'm here for that. In fact, you know, honestly, adding Russ to this mix along with Rondo returning, obviously to a lesser extent. It all but guarantees that there's going to be at least one all-time playmaker on the court you know, with Anthony Davis. And, I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think it's honestly going to lead up to like a, what, I, what I'm anticipating being a big-time bounce back. Here.
0: What's interesting with him is we've probably veered too far away in the Russell Westbrook discourse of, OK, this guy is really good at basketball still. It's just that we have so much evidence from OKC, yeah. from Houston, from Washington, that he plays a certain way and I view him as most valuable on a team where he is the guy or in situations where he is the guy and you've surrounded him with shooting. I actually don't mind this trade from a regular season perspective because the Lakers offense was so bad without LeBron these past two years and their half court offense, even with him has been shaky at points. And if you replace Russell Westbrook, if he plays every single minute that LeBron doesn't this year, you're one, a better regular season team, I would think. You know, he didn't, Washington's offense wasn't incredible last season when Russ played without Beal, but this is a different team. Uh, but if you have Russ in the games, if you want to less, um, rest LeBron or just when LeBron is sitting, in theory, the offense should be better. Where I just, where it comes, starts to fall apart for me is it feels like there needs to be a material change in either the way that LeBron plays or more preferably because less of LeBron should never be the answer. I saw people saying, like, what if LeBron was off the ball more? No. No, less of a LeBron is <laughs> never the answer for me. More preferably, unless we see Westbrook change, I get concerned about the playoffs part of it because yeah. they're gonna have to play you know a, you know 40 minutes together, right? 35 minutes together, whatever it is, and I'm just I don't know how to fit those same minutes with LeBron and Westbrook on. I just I don't know how they work.
1: I'm not going to lie to you that that of course that's a concern and 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 it's funny because even though it's a bit reductive, I often will at least go into the season like considering whether a team is built for 82 versus built for, you know built for 16. Obviously, there are teams that are built you know you know built to last regardless, um, but you know I, I do think a lot of times you can you know you, you can put you can place teams you know like in that category one way or another with this Lakers team, while, yes, I think they're, you know, I think they are set up, you know, for, you know, for, you know, to match up favorably, you know, kind of like across the board, you know, regardless of the matchup, it will be a very interesting adjustment because like you said, the evidence is there. It isn't like, you know, while Westbrook is very, you know, still very much effective and still, you know, and, 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 and obviously showed last year that he can, you know, have an impact on some winning basketball or, you know, somewhat of winning basketball, uh, it, it it would be foolish to say that oh yeah just just heading in it's going to be perfect because no like Frank Vogel and his coaching staff will have their work cut out for him but like you know it it you know you know the old adage you know they knew that job was dangerous when they took it they knew what they were signing up for with Westbrook so hopefully it doesn't honestly for Lakers fans hopefully it just doesn't backfire.
0: The they made many other moves aside from Westbrook and so just looking at like viewing the other additions in some because we just don't have the time it would take a year yeah. to go through every single one of them. Which player, two, three players, whoever, who do you think ends up being the most important or most impactful for them? Again, just beyond Westbrook.
1: Yeah, and you know it's funny. Like in the pre-show, you know, we could kind of alluded to like just how much they've done. If you really think about this Lakers front office, the last four consecutive summers, they've like swung for the fences in a lot of different ways. You know, obviously four years ago they get LeBron. You know, three years ago they get you know Anthony Davis. You know, a couple you know like or two seasons ago we'll say because it wasn't it wasn't two years ago, but two seasons ago they you know they they made all the moves to bring in Schroeder and Trez and and all that, and, and and they've honestly you know circled right back and done it again. Obviously everything being centered around you know AD and LeBron on. But, you know, while I definitely like the Westbrook edition, you know, allow me to go on the record and saying like, I think Malik Monk could prove to be one of the best acquisitions of the summer. Honestly, he's in, he's a, you know, he, obviously he's in a deep, you know, a deep mix of talent, you know, so we'll have, you know, he's going to have to find his way, you know, into a prominent role within the rotation. But honestly, if he can just simply knock down open books, you know, fill open spots, you know, fill lanes, you know, this feels like a situation where he could like, just, you know, where he could routinely sneak you like maybe the high double digits and, you know, honestly find a way to be a difference maker. Like, and, and, and but let's be real, he's going to be competing with the newly re-signed THT and and others guards for the, you know for those minutes. But you know, it I get and in some other guys, you know, I, you know, like you mentioned, you know, they made a ton of moves. But in a weird way, um sort of what I w- you know, I wish wish to you would have been able to see from a consistency standpoint. I think Bazemore addition, a Bazemore's addition, could bring what we wanted to see from West Matthews, and that's not a that's not a knock against West Matthews last year because he did finally find you know find a shot and he and he found ways to be impactful. But just uh, you know, you know with, with them going out as early as they did, he wasn't able to you know to make quite the impact that some of us would have liked. The Bazemore Bays- addition, I think, could you know could add to that. So I'll be honest with you what Vogel has shown over, you know, like during his tenure here and, and, you know, quite frankly, I didn't, I don't know that I, you know, paid as close attention to his rotations when he was in, in, in Indiana, but what he's shown here is that he's not afraid to you know mix things up. He's not afraid to move folks around. He's not afraid to kind of work guys in and out of the rotation and in, you know, like, you know, into you know, more significant roles of prominence. And honestly, it's usually based upon what, what type of consistent effort they give at the defensive end. So for guys like Monk guys, like, you know, more guys like tht all of them are going to have the opportunity to shine it's just really going to be like you know who are going to pick up the defensive principles and, and honestly you'll you'll put in the work on the perimeter
0: you saying that just made me remember that wesley matthews did not sign with the team this offseason as far as i know maybe i'm maybe i missed that but uh that's i don't think he did yeah so the malik monk one is very interesting because that dude can shoot i feel like he can make quick decisions on offense where maybe you don't want him being responsible for actually generating the offense. But if you put the ball in his hands, there are other things he can do than just shoot. Like he can put it on the floor. And I've said this, I think it's a wildly unpopular take. He's terrible on defense, but I feel like he can Uh defend up for his size. And so if you're facing matchups where you can hide him on a bigger player, that's maybe not as mobile or isn't going to attack. That could probably help you get by with more Malik Monk minutes. Also a critical part of that is, you probably want AD at the five in those scenarios so that there are bigger players to choose from. And it sounds like AD will play the five. So I'm, I'm totally with you on the monk front. The Baysmore one is just, I think this team, when you looked at it last year, even when they had West Matthews, when they had Kuzma, when they had KCP, it was like, they could just use more three and D wings, just yeah. surround LeBron with them. Ken Baysmore thought is like always been a little bit overrated on defense than underrated on offense. But like he defended fine last year with golden state. So and that archetype of player on this specific Lakers team, like it's Kent Baysmore. Like you go up down the roster, it's like, okay, well, who are there? Who are there three and D wing type players? And it's, it's Kent Baysmore. I guess LeBron falls under that mold at this point, but it's, it's him and it's him and LeBron and that's it.
1: And, but and you know what the crazy thing and, and look, I, I, and again, while I appreciated Vogel, you know, during his tenure, you know, in the Eastern conference, I didn't recognize how much of a defensive beast that man was, and I guess I should have. I guess I should have because he turned. What's my big man's name? What's my big man's name? Were you Terry? He turned Roy Roy Hibbert into an all star, you know, all star level, and and and, you know, all defense, you you know, level player for a couple seasons. But to be honest with you. The reason why I'm less concerned heading into this year, at least from a, you know from the defensive side, well, one eighty at the five is a it that's a game changer. It just is on both ends, but you know significantly on the defensive. You know the, the pressure that he can apply, you know, both around the perimeter and obviously as a rim protector, and and even as a you know weak side defender at the five. You know it it. it, it, it it can't be overstated, but the also, but the main reason why I'm not as concerned is even with AD out, even with LeBron out, for significant stretches of last year, the Lakers were you know he, that coaching staff was able to put together. If I'm not mistaken, I do not have the statistics right here, you in front of me, but to be honest with you, I feel like you'll correct me because you probably have them. Um, they, you know they were able to put together you know a top three you know three to five defense for the the bulk of last year, even with their main defenders out. So yeah. I feel I feel pretty good about that side of the ball once you know once every well if everybody you know buys into the system what's interesting
0: about 80 at the five is so i think at once it gives him a better defensive player of the year case because i do feel like and look defense is hard to measure and i suck at it so i want to make that clear like i'm just not like this savant but because anthony davis was doing so much and wasn't like this traditional rim deterrent because he was doing so much and playing more four in the right yeah they closed with him at the five he played in the playoffs yada 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 but It took away because his impact, it was harder to quantify, whether you're looking at like what was happening at the rim, not even just opponent field goal percentage, but maybe the frequency with which they were getting there, Um, even just raw blocks sometimes. And, And so I think him playing center will probably end up boosting his defensive player of the year case, especially if the Lakers are still good on defense, because as you mentioned about Frank Vogel, he is a whiz, but like. They're, they are rolling the dice on Frank Vogel here a little bit because you got rid of Kuzma turned into the past two years, a very solid defender. KCP, he's always been an up and down player, but he one I stand by the fact he was their third most important player during that title run in 2020. Yes. And yes. he's also just handled a, a crap ton of really important defensive assignments. And, uh you know, you replace them with Kent Bazemore. And I apologize for my Trevor Ariza erasure. I forgot about he is a three and D type. So, they are banking a lot, I would say, on Frank Vogel and, and Anthony Davis. Um, I do agree with you, though, with what you said about him at the five. And I do think it sets him up, though, to my larger point of if the Lakers are pretty good on defense, if they're even close to as good as they are last season and AD plays the five, I bet you that he is one of the top two contenders for defensive player of the year.
1: I already went out on the limits. I think he's a five uh, defensive player of the year as well as MVP this year. You know, know, the 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 show that I was on, they said like, yeah, you say this every year, and maybe I do, (laughs) but but I I genuinely believe that I can see and I can see top. Like, you know, I, I think, I think we're looking at this type of that type of year from AD this year, specifically because like I said, when you were playing, well, one, he's extra, you know, extra motivated. And I jokingly I, and somewhat flippantly said bullying works. This is a, like, these are human beings. These are folks that they see, you know, they, they see, you know, they, they see the criticism, they hear the loudest of the critics and they, and it's understandable if it impacts them, that man went into the off season, you know, very much ready to get, you know, get his body right. And by all accounts, you know, like from all reports, he has done that. So, like I said, I, I This is not the Laker homer in me, I I promise you. I genuinely think top three, you know, top three, at worst, top five in both both of those this year.
0: The MVP one is, that's an interesting stance because my initial reaction would be, how is he ever going to do enough on offense with LeBron and Russ there? But I'm wondering if Russ, and I have no answer to this, does that help AD get more pick and roll actions? I think that was something he kind of complained about with Dennis
1: Schroeder there, or wasn't happy about. One lob connection all year. It it will never make sense to me. I recognize they didn't play and you know like an inordinate amount of you know minutes together. because you know AD was in and out of lineup and ND down the stretch. You obviously you know Schroeder was, but one lob connection to what even in the shape that he was in, even if he wasn't hundred percent, to what I consider probably top you know top three you know you know lob threats you know that we've seen at least at least in the last twenty years. That's never going to make sense to me you give him lebron you know like your know, backhand full strength you give him rust like you just like you just mentioned working and pick and roll action you, honestly just find him on cur- find him on simple curls find him like on like on on quick you know, uh on quick you know, breakouts i think he's i think the reason why he'll be in the conversations is because he's going to put up the efficiency numbers that are just ridiculous i i think the game is going to be uh, it's going to be significantly easier for anthony davis this year
0: I guess the one thing I would think that he needs to do on offense, and that is a little dependent. Will he have this opportunity? If they're going to run more pick and roll, or if they're going to find ways to bring him around screens, or is like, he's still going to take outside shots is my point. And those just need to fall at a higher clip, not even just the threes, but like, I'm not saying he needs to be bubble AD, who was essentially Kevin Durant 2.0 with his efficiency Mm -hmm. for mid range and beyond the arc. But I think those numbers are going to have, even with him at the five, like his shooting becomes so important because he's going to play with Russ. And like, that's just a non-shooter right off
1: the bat. Yeah, and and agreed. And, and, And you know, we as you know, Lakers fans would be you know silly if we didn't acknowledge. AD, like, like you said, it doesn't have to be bubble level, but it has to be better than it was last year. It has to be, you know, make it, it, honestly, even in between those levels would be okay. You know, like obviously, you know, close, you know, the the, the better, you know, the, the better he shoots, to be honest with you, the more efficient the half court offense will be, um, you know, and, and and that's not anything groundbreaking, but they, act, they actually are going to need that from him. So, you know, honestly, look, I'm putting a lot of pressure on him. I'm sure he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. The Lakers, as an organization, have have placed a lot of pressures on those shoulders, and uh, you know we're going to see if he's going to be able to you know going to be able to answer.
0: And it's, I think you made the the most important point though is if he's going to be healthier and his body's in better shape. Like you, his rim frequency plummeted last year, especially yeah. towards the beginning of the season. And so if you have a healthier AD, just having that element. Then And even I'm thinking now, the thing I didn't even mention with Russ to you is the Lakers were sixth in the frequency with which they reached the rim on offense, the percent of their shots that came there. Now you're adding Russ to that and a healthy AD. It's like they better rank one or two in that category, I
1: would think feels like it okay so remember in 20 in, in 2020 you know, like they they played bully ball a lot but they also got out and ran a lot feels like we're you know we're headed for that feels like we're going to get a lot of you know, a lot of attack at the rim uh whether it's in the half quarter you're know, like you're or you know semi transition or actual transition i think we're going to get a lot of that obviously uh it to be honest with you i, I i'll go this a step further it would shock me if they're not number 1 in the league this year and especially in point paint you it, it, uh, know uh points in the paint
0: yeah, look, at yeah, they better be just at that point. And someone mentioned this to me too, that we're probably overthinking the shooting element of their team because look at how the Bucks just won. And they sort of, they didn't play ugly, but they didn't shoot well from three during the playoffs. And I actually, I was like, that's a fantastic point where I sort of diverged from it. I was like, they still had two guys that could really create from the perimeter. And the Lakers had that in LeBron. Mm-hmm. And then Russ is like, No, like he's like one of the (laughs) least efficient jump shooters in the history of the NBA relative to his volume. So that's where I differentiate, but they still did win. They put a ton of pressure on the rim and on the paint. They worked their asses off on defense and they didn't win playing like this widespread, aesthetically acceptable style of of basketball. There were concessions like Giannis playing off the ball a ton, but like, that's like AD already does that. So maybe I'm, I still think the Lakers are going to be really good. But that point that person made to me got me thinking like maybe we really are just like putting too much sweat equity and thinking about how the Lakers are going to figure this out when the Bucks just won the title.
1: You, you, it was in reference to something else earlier, but you kind of said like we overcorrected oftentimes we do that. You know, we're, we're all reactive. We all think like, okay, you know, since this team won it, it's going to, it's going to be done like this forever when (laughs) obviously we've been watching basketball long enough to know there are multiple ways that you can win. Uh, You know, like with the league transitioning a certain way, you know, is it important to you know, at least keep up with the Joneses? In, you know, like, you know, like, you know, to a certain degree, yes. But if you are really, really, if you're almost, almost, you know, you're, you're darn good at what you do,
0: you're free to curse. You're fine. You,
1: <laughs> you, can, still, you can still be effective. You, you, you know me. Like and sometimes I, I, I let them loose. So like I, I try to be respect. Try to be respectful of other people's show. But honestly, if you're really good at what you do, you're going to find a way to win. And I think the Lakers are going to be really good at what they do. Like and outside of the shooting. And honestly, just like in, you know, just like in 2020, if the shots are falling, you can say good night.
0: Yeah, I I'm, imagine if Russ shoots like league average from mid range or something this team probably wins 80 games. I like
1: And this is the thing. I've already seen people yeah, get in their hopes up. I've already seen people saying like hey, Russ has been working. Say like, come on guys, you think Russ wasn't working? you know, be you <laughs> right. no. but, but to your point, if he can just, you know, be closer to league average or and and quite frankly if he's league average from the mid range, again, you know, line up the nets. Let's get to this. I can't wait because I like, and I and I and I, I know that we should do that because all types of things take place. But we're all at least at least looking at that downfall. And it's even
0: even if he's not league average. If you have both LeBron and ADs hitting their threes, and LeBron has been a, a really good thre- or pretty good at least three point shooter for more than a half decade now. So if AD is like a real three point threat that you have to guard, then it's not as important that Russell Westbrook hits jumpers because those pathways to the basket. Like you can still cobble together, like between Melo, Ariza, Bazemore, like there's guys who can hit a three, so you can yep. continue to do four out around Russ. Speaking of Melo, I think maybe the biggest concern that the Lakers should have is they signed a lot or added a lot of guys that are going to expect to play. You look at the big names when it's Dwight Howard, Melo, DeAndre Jordan, but also like Kendrick Nunn. He didn't get the minimum. They got they signed like yeah. he didn't. He got more than the minimum from them, so he's probably expecting to play. Who do you think is most likely when you're looking at their roster to be disappointed in their role because you see them maybe getting squeezed by by minutes? Just given how this team is built right now.
1: So this could come back to bite me in the behind because, of course, you know, you know, uh, the NBA teams have done stranger things. But the first name that jumps out to me is DJ. Um, uh, you know, truth of the matter is, you know, I I think everybody that signed on had to at least understand, hey, look, I'm joining, I'm joining a mix like this. And you know, at least has that, you know, like mindset going in. Um, I can see DJ like I'll put it like this. I can see DJ starting at the five, you know, certain games. I could see him being like real worked in, but ultimately, to be honest with you, you know, you're better off with AD at the five and to and, and if and if honestly, if Dwight can recapture any part of what he did for these Lakers, and quite frankly, I, I think he can, uh, you know, just two seasons ago, you're better off with him at the you know, like as your secondary. So of all the names. While yes, I think the, I think the coaching staff will find a way to work guys in. I think Rondo and DJ may be on the back end of the rotation, and for good reason. They're they're more of the you know uh, break glass in, in case of emergency type players for this. Time. I would
0: I would argue at this point, with all due respect, that you're probably better off with Melo at the five than DeAndre Jordan at the five. I'm just so far out on DeAndre Jordan, uh, and I'm wondering if for Dwight Howard. I know Russ is here, but I'm assuming they'll probably play a lot of. AD Russ minutes without LeBron. And so LeBron will have another big when he plays without those two. Um, Dwight Howard doesn't have to play with Ben Simmons anymore. And the Sixers trying to make that duo happen too many times last year. Like that was just, that wasn't for Dwight. So this must be a better setup. I'm, I was more curious about, and I agree with you on Rondo too. That's the one that was like, um, I was not surprised that they signed him, but I was like, I think Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk bring more of the elements, what the offense need. If you have Russ and LeBron than a Rondo does right now.
1: One of the things that's kind of actually surprised me, Frank Vogel straight out addressed this. At, I, if, I, I, if it was either the beginning of camp or the you know, Rondo's introductory press conference, at some point over the last few weeks, Frank Vogel straight out said he's not going to come in playing very much, and he knows that. And I'll be like, I, even though that's an obvious one, it still surprised me because you know, like you know, to your point, you know, leading into this question, guys are signing new teams, even if they know the situation, they still want to you know a competitor's gonna to want to be competitive and it's gonna wanna is gonna to wanna to, to to contribute. But ultimately, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a those situation. But, you know to to, to your point, they're going to have to have those younger guys, you know, like honestly just as simply as simple as this, eat up minutes, especially during a regular season and probably leading into the postseason. So, you know, those are the older and you know, less uh less impactful guys are going to have to, you know, kind of take, you know, take a side seat, side seat. I can't
0: partake in the Lakers are old jokes ever since I turned 30. uh, I just, I'm like, you know, you know, the Lakers average age of the roster is like 31. It's like, you know, like how am I supposed to make fun of that at this point?
1: Man, I'm look, you're talking to a guy that's 42. I'm in my I'm in my James Worthy year. So like all, all of these <laughs> jokes, all of these jokes hurt me. I'm like, hey, but oh shit, I'm, I'm excuse me, but I'm over a decade beyond that. <laughs> you know, but the truth of the matter is this they've got you know they they've got collective age. But I don't expect the 35 and ups to, to average 35 and up throughout the you know throughout the season. You know, I, I think that they have done a good enough job, and like I said, whether it's with monk and none. Let's not forget AD is not an old, not an old man, you know, uh, your your body concerns aside. um, I think they have enough to kind of mitigate some of the older guys going in and out of the lineup and in and out of the rotation. And and I think that's what it's going to be.
0: That's a, that's a hundred percent. Like they just have, there's not, maybe they're not the cleanest fits alongside one another, but when you look at their depth chart, like they are just, they're essentially at least three deep at every position because LeBron can play point guard or whatever you want to consider him. So, The age thing doesn't even worry me. I think the player that I'm inherently just fascinated with was Mello signing here uh, because because it's Mello. It will be a sto- it's not a story anymore if Rondo or Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan doesn't play. If Mello's role gets curtailed, it's still a story. I'm um, I'm less worried about it being a thing if AD's going to play more five. I think that naturally opens up minutes for more Mello at the four, and he's shown Portland let him do his thing. Like he there was jab step Mello, there was post up Mello, there was iso Mello. Um, But he was hitting a lot of catch and shoot threes. I do wonder if he's going to have to lean more into that with the Lakers just because they have Russ and LeBron, which is different from having like CJ and Dame, even though that's still two scores for two scores. Like now AD is in there, too. So I'm curious to see what his offensive usage looks like on
1: this squad. You you make an excellent point. And let me just say, Melo's going to play they're playing mellow un- un- unless it just goes off the rails and he's just completely lost it. I don't think he, I, of all the names, he's the one that doesn't sign unless he's, uh, unless he's, you know, certain right. that he's going to play. And that's not, and that's not a knock against him. I think he can still, I think he can still be effective and he can certainly still get buckets. So, you know, I understand that mindset. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I look at it as, I anticipate a lot of catch and shoot, you know, like, you know, especially your corner situations or, you know, secondary transition type, you know, situations for him. If he's on the court with, you know, especially if he's on the court with AD and LeBron or, you know, if he shares minutes with them, but it you know, if those guys go off and and, you know, we're in the back, you know, the, you know, the, the, beginning of the second or even you know, midway through the second quarter and even stretches, you know, like you know, midway through the third, you know, like quarter, I can see Mello getting some mellow time and you, and, and everybody that's listening knows exactly what that means. I can absolutely <laughs> see Mello getting some mellow time. It might not be a regular thing, but there, you know, there will be stretches over the course of the season where, you know, he may give you a 12 point third quarter and I'm absolutely, you know, look, I don't care. I'm here for it. I, I, I'm just going to celebrate all of this and and try my best not to go crazy on the nights where everybody's flipping out because they had one bad game or like you know, they lost back to back games
0: yeah and look i'm a, you know i'm a numbers guy sometimes i feel like we overthink it to the point of Melo just averaged 13 plus points per game shot better than 40 percent from three you can quibble about well why were they playing him in crunch time over derrick jones jr or whatever that's not Melo's fault like if nope. you have someone who's just going to shoot 40 plus percent on fairly high volume from three that is valuable
1: in today's yes. game <laughs> Yeah, like and, and that's the thing, when, when it comes to like the overcorrection or just like you know oversimplification, sorry, oversimplification of you know, like of the basketball conversation. We do this, and you know, there are certain people that they decided five years ago Melo was done. And then right. and and you know, like there are people that like will hold on to the, oh, well, you know what? I said he was done back then, so like I I I at least have to hedge my bet. Man, just celebrate basketball, man. Celebrate how great, how great this league has been. Now look, is it perfect? No. Am I a this league guy? No. But it's still, it's still my greatest source of entertainment. And for those, and 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 honestly for the you know, for the masses out there, sometimes it's like, yo, let go of the petty stuff and just celebrate that you got an all-time great scorer on you know in the mix with this team.
0: And you mentioned the corner threes, which is something I didn't even think of. Melo shot 44% basically from the corners last year. LeBron obviously had the injury. So the year before, LeBron was second in the league in corner three-point assist thrown didn't have a ton of shooters on that team either and i would expect the lakers they were top 10 in corner three-point frequency last year i'd expect that number to go up with russ there i don't think russ is like the best passer but like people still react to his drive so like those are going to open Mello was like i think he'll have games where maybe he plays fewer minutes with the lakers than he did the blazers and still averages more points because so many of his buckets are just coming within the flow and from beyond the arc
1: wouldn't shock me if that man averaged fifteen points a game this year, and I and I, people are gonna be like, "Oh, come on!" I would not shock me for that exact reason. Wide open shots, wide open looks, easy. Like I said, you know, whether you are know, like you know, in the half court or in you know semi transition, I could absolutely just see him being the trail guy. You know, like in certain you know certain situations. Woo woo, not down, right now. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I could be dead wrong about this stuff, but I almost anticipate this being the case.
0: I would if if this were like Melo leaving Houston or OKC and going right to the Lakers i would Mm -hmm. get the concerns but after seeing him in portland i'm like you know he he came off the bench last year like this isn't gonna it probably won't be an issue to me um i'd already we've already talked about how you think that they'll with eighty-eight to five the defense will be able to hold but they did trade away two of their most important like perimeter defenders in kyle kuzma kcp do we now think that tht is gonna get and they did pay him which is the other thing that informs this is tht gonna play like a real meaningful role for this team heading uh, or this season, excuse me
1: to that to the point you just made they certainly paid him like they believed he, you know like in him coming into this year and, and I've been a supporter of his and I've always been intrigued by the measurables and like honestly like especially when he came in the league that he was a little bit you know Charles Barkley built you know what I'm saying and like, you know, like but as a, as a wing player uh and as a Charles Barkley built guy that has always been a Charles Barkley you know comparison that you know I'm always going to kind of favor those types of guys but yeah like uh yeah, part of me has to believe that they anticipate him you know taking a step you know from an all-around perspective and you know what could really project. To that next level is specifically locking in defensively with consistency. Like he's, you know, he's got he's got quick enough feet. He's got quick hands. You know, his reaction time is good. He's uh, ridiculously long reach. But you know, he does get caught ball watching. And you know what? You didn't bring that up with Russ, and I appreciate you because you know, like, like it, you know, what what's going to tank this team's perimeter defense is the guards and wings ball watching. I'm hoping that they can get that under control. And and from you know THT side of things, they're going to need. They're going to they're going to absolutely need him.
0: Yeah, Russ is. People like to think that Russ is good on defense, and he's like he can make he can make doing nothing look so exhausting on defense is the best way to frame it. And there are points where he just feels like he's chilling, so he's not putting that much effort into it. But All right. uh, let,
1: let me let, let me <laughs> quote, let, let me let me quote the great uh twenty first century philosopher Russell Westbrook. Russ trick y'all. Russ trick y'all. Look. I love Russ. I love love Russ. And look, you know, he can yo know, you know, uh, dive in passing lanes and get steals and pick people, yo, know, from behind. And yes, he still does that. But you know, to your point, I want him to be, you know, I, I'm hoping that he's more focused on that side as opposed to focusing on, you know, you know, simply making uh, being disruptive.
0: With THT specifically, I, what do you think needs to happen? on offense for him to ensure that he has the role because he gets to the rim a ton, but he wasn't really a good finisher there last year. And we all know the stuff about his jumper, but look, he's shot over. And this is, I feel like this is the quintessential THT stack comparison. He was under 37% on all jumpers last year. He shot over 50% on fadeaways. And like, that's just his game in a nutshell. It's so herky jerky and quirky. That's like, yeah, that makes sense. But what can he do, or what do you think needs to happen on offense for him to solidify his place in a rotation that's very veteran-heavy? Otherwise,
1: find sweet spots, and this is the and it, like this is not our, this is another strategy and analysis. Find sweet spots and knock down open shots because on this team, look, we like as much as people talk about, like, oh, you know, the spacing is going to be an issue. Well, it's not going to be an issue for him. He's going to have space to operate. He's going to have space. to you – know, he, He's going. Like, it's just not a disrespect to him, but if you have to choose someone to drag off over of someone, you know, someone to sag off of, it's going to be him. So sometimes it's going to be as simple as, you know, if, if they completely, if they completely lose sight of you, fill that, you know, you'll fill that space and and, and you're going to be found. I, you know, whether it's, you know, honestly, whether it's Russ or, you know, LeBron or even AD from the, you know, from, you know, from the high post, someone's going to find you on a backdoor court or, or on a curl. And if you if you get the opportunity to knock, you know, like you know, for open shots in the corner or open shots up top, you got to knock them down. Like, it, it, you, you and I know that. Like, we can go, you know, we can, you know, the, you know take deep dives into like, oh, sometimes it's just a make or miss league. Tht you got to make your open shots.
0: He did post a workout video of him working on his corner three, and i I will never read into those unless it's apparently Furkan Korkmaz's yeah. like MVP hype video, whatever. I don't know if you saw that. That was hysterical. But I (laughs) did his his thc's release. I will say looked quicker on those. And if they're gonna have him in the corner, I mean, if he hits, if he even shot like just thirty five percent from the corners or something, that ends up being like this massive game changer for LA. It
1: it 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 opens things up. It means that I'll be honest with you. It means that he earns himself a really nice upgrade, even though he just got paid. It it, it, honestly, what it means is he elevates himself to that three and D type guy, like I said, if he can focus on the defensive end and just knock down that, knock down that shot, it, you know, it, it, it places him, it places him at another plateau. And even though, you know, kind of like you said, I I know what's coming up, you know, like in the thing, it probably puts him in, you know, like it probably puts him in the stratosphere of like, okay, opposing GMs, that's who we're going to ask for. If the Lakers come calling for anything, you know, like uh, at the deadline that was
0: look Lakers fans thought he was their Damian Lillard trade bait at one point. So (laughs)
1: Look, I hope so. I, so. So, the funniest thing is like, look, Lagos fans get criticized, which, you know, what we deserve it in a lot of ways. But a lot of times it's like, well, they think they're going to get everybody. Yeah, you know what? Sooner or later, a lot of times <laughs> it does take place. I, I'm not saying that DHT was going to get you dame. I'm just saying that it's, you know, Not all of the trade packages and trade ideas are asinine, because I saw a lot of folks saying the same thing, like, oh, they'll never get AD for those guys, and I sat there quietly. Honestly, I sat there quietly saying, they're going to end up taking that deal, because that's the best deal. Even though people, you know, like at the time that the the younger players were were on the Lakers, you know, nobody wanted to acknowledge that they had any skill whatsoever, but it always kind of made sense to me. All I'm saying is this: It's not going to be for Dame, but if the Lakers do swing for the fences or do you know try to you know you'll, you'll try to step you'll step into a trade, it's probably you know he's probably going to be the principal you know principal figure in it.
0: Yeah, look, and there's just it's the extremists that are the problem here, where it's the Lakers fans that think you can just you've given away so many picks up. So, like you can't just trade Talon Horton Tucker and salary filler and get Dame. Like that's no. the frustrating yeah. one. And there are the people though because of that subsection of Lakers fans, there are the people who cover the league or they're fans of other teams that just automatically think anything the Lakers offer is dog shit that it went the AD trade. Like what people thought of like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo ball and Kyle Kuzma at the time. And even though he wasn't involved, which is like this, maybe if you thought there were better packages out there, fine. This was not like, and the picks they gave up, it was not like a terrible offer. So there's the extremes of like this player plays for the Lakers. So he's automatically overrated. But then there's also, oh, we're Lakers fans. Like, we're just going to get whoever we want for salary filler. The yeah. middle ground. The Russell Westbrook was the middle ground too. The people who thought that the Lakers didn't have the ammo to pull off a, a blockbuster move. Like, that was always too far towards the ex- extreme. It's like, no, they're not going to get Dame. But they have salaries. They have guys who are solid. And we've seen this a few times now where there are certain teams that don't want to pay the older stars. So if the Lakers are willing to pay – the older stars, like, yeah, they gave up value for Russ, but, like, the idea that they couldn't do anything that was overblown. But the idea that they can do everything is also overblown.
1: Of course. And and, and you're going to get that. Look, like, look, anytime you have an organization that's been as successful as the Lakers have over the years, and like, as like, I've already acknowledged to you, I grew up, I, you know, like I'm, I'm a man in my forties. I grew up watching Showtime. As a child, I grew up watching Showtime basketball. As a young adult, I was, you know, like I was blessed with the Shaq and Kobe years and obviously and so on and so on. But anytime you have that, there's going to be unrealistic, you know, both unrealistic expectations. And, unrealistic uh, criticisms. It it, it, it it This is the fun place to be.
0: I love the extreme. When, when you're overrating your own team, just how good they're going to be, as a fan, I respect it. The, I I need to be, I'm very team middle ground when it comes to trade talks. Like, I don't want to hear like, you know, well, if this guy just says he wants to go to the Lakers, they can only trade a second round pick and salary filler and they're <laughs> going to get, you know, the second coming of Michael Jordan or something. But I, yeah. I also think people are too hard on like, like basketball is supposed to be fun. It's for the fans. Not everyone needs to be like, Nerdy about it. So, um, yeah. this is to say I don't despise
1: Lakers fans. That's hey a- I can, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Look, look, I'm I like, it. Let, let me just say like this there's assholes in every single fan base. It just so happens that the Lakers fan base is huge. So, yeah. the assholes are going to be, you know, projected even more.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's the best way to put it. So, to wrap up sort of this discussion about their defense, they were second in points allowed per possession last year outside of garbage time where do you like, do you still think that they'll end up being like, let's say a top seven defense this year?
1: Yeah. And I, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. Honestly, I I think the difference maker is 80 at the five. Like it's, 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 it, it, it is that much of a difference maker. Um, and, and, and I, and I won't lie, I am leaning upon some faith in Vogel, so, you know, the same faith in Vogel that you, know, that you mentioned. So was the front office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that same, that, you know, that's, yeah, that same ex- exact belief. But like I said, I saw him do it last year. And it, and, it, and quite frankly, it felt like it was like tricks and you know, like in mirrors and, and everything, but they found a way. I feel like they're going to find a way this year.
0: Do you worry about the argument of, will, will AD be able to hold up if he's playing the five that long? Or like me, do you fall into the camp? We always ask if AD can hold up, period, at this point. I don't care. Just put him at the five.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Like, if his body holds up, incredible. But it's not like like it didn't hold up because he was put at the five because he's had issues at the four. Like, you know, look, like I said, his body looks great seems to be in you know he seems to be in a good headspace uh you know the all reports are that you know he's locked in and ready to go but all you know once you roll the ball out you' we'll see at the very but you know kind to your point that you that you made a little bit earlier being two to three deep at every position is a nice luxury and if you have to slide him out for a little while or he gets dinged up and you have to you know you'll kind of match up you you'll match match him up against you know less you know physically imposing guys you can do that long as he's ready for the postseason that's really all that matters with this group and i
0: didn't put this in the outline that i sent you because you just made me think of it do you expect them to like is there going to be a maintenance program for lebron i feel like we ask this every year and there's something different i would say maybe he if he doesn't want one he won't get one but there's just something different about saying it's lebron's age 37 season that number just feels like like i I don't know what it is about the number 37 but i look at that and i'm like that dude's so close to 40 like (laughs)
1: It would be nuts if they don't have it in mind. But you know the point that you just made. If he wants one, he'll have one. If he doesn't want one, he won't have one. I think he's intelligent enough to recognize. Well, I, I shouldn't even be you know, uh, positive in, in intelligence. I think he can see the forest beyond the trees to say, like, okay, I may only, you know, like, I don't know how many of these runs I have left, so I have to be ready, you know, for the postseason. Specifically, coming off of the postseason that they just had, where both of them were dinged up and 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 they really and they really just never had any chance. It would be crazy for him to say, nah, I'm good, 37, 37 minutes of night, let's go, like that. That would be crazy. I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that they're in a position to where it's not even a consideration because he, he doesn't have to play down the stretch of a lot of players.
0: Um, I think I'm thinking too much about the Russell Westbrook acquisition, but if they weren't going to do just something different, like maybe it's okay. LeBron's not going to play more than 34 minutes in the regular season ever. I, I feel like maybe they wouldn't have been invest as invested in a Westbrook trade, because I think he gives you a pathway to doing that. Like the non LeBron minutes are that's what every team has struggled with. Basically since LeBron came in the league. And if you could win those, maybe it provides you more flexibility that LeBron just really hasn't had before. Because like even the Cleveland minutes with Kevin Love and Kyrie and no LeBron, they were mostly crap. There were stretches where they were fine, uh-huh. but they were mostly bad without him.
1: If you can win the non-LeBron minutes, I'll be honest with you, I, I could absolutely see him being very happy playing 32, 33 minutes a night and, and and being ready to go ramping it up. And and seeing that number increase in February and March and being ready to go when it comes to the postseason. We've reached the
0: cookie-cutter portion of this podcast where I ask these questions on every look ahead. What is this team's biggest weakness right now? I think we've probably already touched on it. Uh, maybe even stomped on it a little bit,
1: but it's, it's, it's perimeter defense and anybody that says otherwise is crazy. While I feel confident that they'll be able to put it together, heading in the biggest question is perimeter defense. You can't lose three or four of your top perimeter defenders and it, you know, whether, whether guys are going to fill that, you'll know, fill those roles or not. You can't lose that. And then just say like, Oh no, it's going to be fine. I think it will, but that's the biggest question mark. In. Yeah.
0: And I could understand because LeBron's been so good defensively the past two years, if you wanted to say it's their shooting, I guess I would understand, but it's like you actually yeah. have guys, whether you play them is a different story, but you have guys in Monk, in Nun, in Mellow, in Wayne Ellington. They can hit the threes, yeah. So uh, I, I would agree with you there. And that's it's definitely, if it's not the weakness, it is the biggest question. Just like what is yeah. this perimeter defense going to look like? As of right now, and this can change, of course, as the season actually happens we get more information, storylines develop, yada, yada, yada. Who would you view as the most likely player to get traded from this team?
1: See, and this is the thing. Let me preface this with I'm not saying I'm not advocating for the guy to get traded, but I already alluded to this for Lakers fans out there that get very, very sensitive. If you mention any of the young players, because that does happen and I get accused of all types of stuff in my DMs and on my timeline. THT is probably the most likely specifically because he's the, you know, the probably the most attractive young piece that's already locked in for a, a decent, you know, for a decent rate that also can you know, has potential to take that next step. So I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But if you, if the question is who's most likely, it's probably him.
0: And look, the other thing here is like they're not trading LeBron, AD, or Russ. Yeah, and you no. get Getting to the point, you get to the stage of well, how are they matching any salary? Tht is now the fourth highest paid player on the Lakers. Like exactly. that's so, and so I, I look at him and Kendrick Nunn, and I'm like, that's 15 million in salary together. Like if you wanted to aggregate it to get a more expensive player. It's one of those two to me. Maybe the Lakers don't make any moves. Like maybe they're so good or they just don't feel the rush. But if they decide to take a swing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Talon Horton. Tough. Like there's not even another possible answer here.
1: It, it, exactly. And, and and even though I prefaced it with all of that and we're explaining this, there's going to be people saying, these assholes are talking about trade. No, you know, we, we don't want it to happen. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, you know, like, you know to your point, it, it, it's the only one that makes sense or the one that makes the most sense
0: now, do you, the Lakers, as we just mentioned, are now clearly limited in the type of trade assets they could offer? Knowing the weaknesses on this team or what they could need, though, are there any players that you envision who could become available that you would like to see them make a run at on the market?
1: I I don't have a specific player, or you know, but I I will say you know you're kind of addressing what we just you know alluded to, whether it's more shooting or a bigger wing that can defend. You're know, one of those two types of players would be the ones that I would, I would imagine them looking for in a second half run.
0: I have a name. I don't know okay. what it would take to get him, but he's cheap to where that you don't give up even Taylor Horton Tucker, Daniel house. If he's healthy, oh. someone okay. who could defend, like David played him at the five way back when in Houston,
1: mm-hmm. and he
0: has shot threes better in the past. That's not, this is to say like people probably want, Oh, the Lakers need to go and get like another star or something. This is a team that needs to put bows on the way that they're built. He seems like the perfect type of acquisition. I don't know what it costs to get him, but he's in the final year of his deal coming off an injury play campaign last year. And the Rockets have so many bodies because they added like a trillion first round draft prospects this summer. That's a name that if I was the Lakers and I would name him for a bunch of contenders. But if you're the Lakers specifically, you look at what you need. That's someone I'd zero in on, or at least keep an eye on.
1: So I didn't have him in mind, but but the point that you just made, if it's not the Lakers, someone's going to come calling for a guy that, you know, a guy that's versatile, enough, you know, versatile like that. I, I, that, that's a really good point. It would, and you know, you know, no disrespect, Houston, but you know, you don't need, you don't need him <laughs> with, with where you're going. You don't need.
0: Him. Well, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, a hundred, if they keep him, I wouldn't understand why, like he's not coming back. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So
0: this, and I think with the Lakers, probably more so than most teams, they'll change their crunch time lineup based on matchups. But what do you think will wind up being their most effective or most used crunch time unit?
1: It could go a lot of different a lot of different routes, but I think it's going to be eighty at the five. Uh, you're going to get a combination of eighty and LeBron up, up top, probably mellow in a lot in a lot of cases. Russ at the five, you know, like at the one and. I, in the notes here I've got insert player because it's whomever is rolling that we we already have the blueprint for this they've done it the last two years especially in the regular season you know this coaching staff has no problem with going with whoever is rolling or you know like or uh has a matchup advantage or you know, has significant advantages you know like you know, from a matchup you no know, perspective so I think it's going to look like that you know like whether that's monk or you know none at a given night uh Wayne Ellington like if he's really got it going you know uh, you know really any of them across the board, you could you could serve that role.
0: Yeah, I think there's three givens with LeBron, Russ, and Ad. And if if Russ isn't a given in the closing unit, we're gonna have a lot of content this season if oh, he's not. In yes. <laughs> and I, I'm if if it is gonna be Mellow as like the most likely fourth, I'm wondering if they might play bigger. Or at, at that point, I wonder if it's we need to play Kempes more, Trevor Reza just to have someone else other than LeBron who could defend wings in that crunch time unit because Monk's not gonna do that. Is there and it doesn't really starting fives don't really matter anymore, but do you have any sense of what the starting five is gonna be then? Like we know AD, LeBron, and Russ. How are they gonna fill out those final two spots?
1: It it, it it from from the report that I saw that I heard, it's it's it kind of is a camp battle between guys like THT and Monk and you know, and, Bazemore and and those guys. Like I, I I have no I have no way of honestly of knowing. I think I want look, I'll put it like this. I want it to be THT, but I think it I think it's gonna end up being Monk.
0: I would probably go Monk and Baysmore as the final two. Tht and Russ on the court at the same time. That is...
1: It might... Yeah. Let me me add this caveat. If his shot has fallen, I want it to be Tht. Because, yes, what you were just going to say, yes, 100%. Yeah,
0: if either of those dudes are just hitting threes, a bunch of threes, then you feel free to play them together as much as you want. Is there a weird, oddball, quirky, out-of-left-field lineup that you want frank vogel to roll out just to try just to see what happens
1: i do have one and here and here we are and people are like what the f-? okay ad lebron yes i still want my tht tht at the three monk and russ look i look it's quirky but it's really fun they can both get up and down the court and they can bully ball you in a in a half court setting especially you know, this is the big caveat if tht continues to improve as a deep threat um it wouldn't shock me if we actually saw this lineup at some point, because like I said, like one of the things that I kind of like about them, uh, even though initially I was a little bit off put by it is that they're not afraid to, you know, they're not afraid to, ch- they're not, not are not challenged. not afraid to test, you know, test the waters. So the one, and I,
0: I'll purpose it with this. The Lakers actually aren't built to get too weird. Like it's their roster makes too much sense when you just ch- like, it's, there's no, there's no point in playing a small ball unit because AD's is a center and like he should be in whatever lineup you want on the court. So mine was Anthony Davis, LeBron, THT, and then I had Monk and Ellington in the sense of LeBron and THT, those are your ball handlers, and just try and surround that lineup with as much shooting as possible and see where it goes. It's not weird, but I think it's one that most people wouldn't expect to try because you would probably want a a Rondo, maybe even a Nunn or a Russell Westbrook, like another type of playmaker on the court next to LeBron
1: as weird as this is going to sound while yes i could see that being like a like a down the stretch situation depending upon what the situation is with Russ, i could see that being kind of the the, the their, a lineup that they specifically try after that first, you know first round of um you know first round of substitutions like a, like in in at end of in the first quarter type round i would love to, i would love to see them explore that like in their first quarter type you know situations
0: you just made my day then the fact that you think that that's a realistic <laughs> lineup for them to try
1: you, you, you never know <laughs>
0: As we record this, they're over under for the win total set at 53.5. Are you taking the over the under on that? And where do you expect them to finish in a larger landscape of the Western Conference?
1: That number seems honestly pretty close to where i I landed on them. I'm anticipating on, you know, within the you know 52 to 55 range, you know, for them, and you know, especially if they're relatively healthy for a bulk of the year, uh, I think they're going to end up as a top three seed, you know, either one, two, or three, depending upon how things you know shape up. Uh, but ultimately, uh, like I, if if they're healthy going into the postseason, I expect to see them in the conference finals and beyond. I'm like I, I'm I'm still pretty bullish on them.
0: I have taken way too many overs throughout this process. I'm going to have to go and. Correct some. This felt like an easy over for me because the in my mind, the whole idea of Westbrook is that even if LeBron is gonna miss games, this is just a team that I think should still be incredible during the regular season. When we get to the postseason, we'll have a sample size to figure out whether it's a concern or not. I would think every year there's a team that's gonna win like 58 or 60 games. You could throw Milwaukee or Brooklyn in there. It's the Lakers as the third option of the team to do that. And so this was more so than I thought, it was a very easy over pick for me.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny because when we did our you know we did our our, our Western Conference preview for baseline, um, I think I, I I think I definitely said over, and I got accused. Yeah, you know, I got accused of like, oh, okay, it's like guys, if you don't think that this like like it, maybe I'm just not seeing it, but I look at this you know this group of you know, the, you know this group, and I'm like, yeah, that's a 55 win team. T- 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 t-
0: people are making fun of the age, but as we've talked about their depth a bunch, that's where it could help you is you know, if LeBron needs to miss time, or even if like AD misses time, or if if anyone misses time, like, okay, Mellow can still, you said, maybe he'll have a game of Mellow time, where he's just actually really good. And the other thing is, they dealt with a ton of injuries last year and still won 58.3% of their games. It's not like a huge leap from there to get to 54 wins.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's not at all. Um, you know, look, barring anything catastrophic, I would be stunned if they don't win you know, right around fifty. You know, fifty four, fifty five.
0: Is there and so there, lar- the larger Western Conference picture. I think you could probably name six to eight teams that might be interchangeable. At this point, you could tell me anyone finishes first, and I'd probably believe you. But if you also and if you told me the Lakers finish first, I believe you. If you told me when knowing that the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Blazers, the Warriors, those seven teams exist, I think the Lakers floor is fifth because there's not. Jamal Murray is not in Denver for most of this season. We don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi in LA. The Blazers can always be weird. What about the Warriors? I think you could reasonably talk me into like five or maybe all six of those teams being better than the Lakers, but too much stuff needs to go right for some of them. And so I think the Lakers floor is fifth this year. Again, unless something catastrophic happens to them.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, worst you know, worst case scenario outside of you know uh, uh, catastrophe. You know, you know that 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 four range. But honestly, I maybe I'm just too uh, maybe I'm just too bought in on Russ. I just don't see it. I don't. I just don't see him dropping below three. Like I I I think they'll be that good. Yeah.
0: What's tough here is I don't think there's any team that you can guarantee me is going to have a better regular season record than the Lakers in the West. It's when you get to other teams. Let's use let's use Denver. As an example, because of the Jamal Murray injury, I would probably say the Lakers, Utah and Phoenix are in front of them. But when you get to the Utah, Phoenix and the Lakers, those are the three teams that I keep thinking are going to finish top three as of right now. I just don't I don't know which one's going to be. There's nothing definitive about the top of this year's West. And that's so wacky in kind of a beautiful way. It makes me very much look forward to the race this year.
1: I'm absolutely here for it. I saw a lot of people, you know, initially saying like, "Oh, Phoenix is going to be like Miami," you know, last year where they, you know, like they have a drop off. I don't see it. I absolutely, I think they're going to be. I, I think they did a good job in the, in the offseason, you know, like not just solidifying things and, and re signing the guys they needed to bring in. I thought I felt like they did a good job with that roster kind of across the board. Um, so I, they're going to be competitive. Same thing with Utah. They're absolutely going to be competitive again, outside of anything wacky taking place. So yeah, like you know, we're we're, you know, we're on the same page. Like all, all three of those to me. Uh, I would put you know, like I'm not saying there's a huge gap between you know the you know the rest of the group, but I would say I think there's a little bit of space between you know between between the other teams, uh so I think they could be interchangeable.
0: Yeah, if you told me Kawhi was going to play or Jamal Murray was going to come yep. back in January, mm-hmm. I might be inclined to like reopen the discussion. The wa- the oh, yeah. actual biggest wild card to me are the Mavericks because the Luka Doncic plus shooting model, I don't know how far it gets you in the playoffs. That could end up obliterating people in the regular season, just based off what he's done. And if you get a better version of KP, maybe they're the team that crashes that. But when I go to do my standings and I haven't finalized it yet, I think the Lakers will be in the top three. Mm -hmm. I think their floor is fifth though. That's just where I'm at right now. Yeah.
1: I got you. you Look, I'm going to selfishly, you know, project, God, I would love a three six Lakers matchup, you know, Lakers Mavericks matchup to start to see, you know start things off. I'm, yeah, I, like I, I, I want, I want every parts of that. I want all. Look, a lot of people, you know, when it comes to their team, they want the easiest path. Look, while yes, of course, i I'll, I'll take an easy title. I also want the drama. You know, yeah, give, give me a matchup like that. And as funny as it's gonna sound, I don't want Lakers Warriors in the first round. I want Lakers Mavs in the first round. I want I want all parts of Luca.
0: The league office is going to be doing all sorts of unspeakable things. If they get a LeBron <laughs> Steph or LeBron Luka playoff series, whenever that is, that is like, there's going to be an orgy in the league office. If that happens, one <laughs> or the other, uh, the LeBron Luka stuff is fun because they did play each other in the playoffs in the bubble. Right. Or am I just, maybe they had like an epic
1: performance. No, the ma- the, no, 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 no. The, 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 the went out to the Clippers. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, but, if I'm not mistaken, they, they, both years they've lost to the Clippers, right? The yeah, they did. You're right. Yeah.
0: And there, I think there was a game during the regular season. It was pre or mid pandemic. In the I don't know what it was. That was like Luka Doncic's. You know, he was already a star, but he. I don't even know if the Mavericks won, but he, him and LeBron were going like back and forth. And I think the league would would love that. Maybe even more than LeBron Steph. I think there's a chance LeBron Steph is just like too polarizing, but Luca's profile is so far on the rise, and because he's the future of the league, where Steph is. Basically in the same era as LeBron, I, I I don't know. I guess would the league office prefer Mavs Lakers or Warriors Lakers? I guess Warriors I think, Lakers. Probably I think the,
1: the smart ones is Mavs Lakers. The old school folks that you know would still have like you know and rest in peace you know the, you know the Stern the you know the best finals matchup is Lakers versus Lakers mindset. They might want you know you know the, you know Lakers Warriors, but the smart folks that you know because the smart money is 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 moving. Look, we'll take Lakers Warriors. We'll take that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not poo pooing the idea, but I would just prefer to move towards the future. And I'm honestly, I'm absolutely here for that.
0: Do you know which fan base or who specifically should be excited about a Lakers Warriors matchup? warriors fans because it means that the warriors made the playoffs which i'm not entirely convinced that they're going to so that's that's why if you're the warriors fans you should be happy about that you i'm sorry clay's not coming back till january Uh are are you gonna rely on wiseman still coming off the like you guys were terrible with wiseman he's still hurt yeah and so he's not even
1: healthy coming in
0: yeah right that might actually help them unfortunately they were so bad with him last year now he hasn't had a training camp or an offseason to get better i just it still feels like It's iffy there, but not a Warriors podcast, obviously. Is there any one or anything about this team that I have not asked you about that you believe needs to be covered?
1: No, to be honest with you, I, th- I think I think we you know we, we did cover a lot. I mean, of, of course, there's you know, there's going to be somebody just listening and saying like, you know, honestly, they didn't really explore the Wayne Ellington pickup enough. But truth of the matter is, I think we all know what this is. This is a highly talented group that you know, obviously, the ceiling is you know, the ceiling would be a title. But and to your point, you know, you know, you say things don't necessarily go as as great as you know as I'm anticipating. You know, it, it could be as as low as a four or five c But either way, there's going to be drama there, and it's going to be you know, it's going to be a fantastic watch
0: yeah we apologize to austin reeves family for not talking about him on this podcast. major oversight
1: shout out to the greatest nickname that i've seen in recent times hillbilly kobe i'm not going to lie to you hbk2 hbk2 i i I actually feel remiss that we did not acknowledge him so thank you for bringing it. this this hbk2 erasure will not stand so thank you for bringing him up
0: and look now we talked about it and look his response to uh, about is he more hillbilly or kobe and his response to it was just perfect too like that was just fantastic as well
1: I'm absolutely look I, look. I I I'm here for fun, man. You know, like I I know we try to be serious about this stuff a lot, but honestly, I'm here for fun. I'm here for jokes. I'm here to celebrate the greatness of you know, like uh, uh, of NBA athletes, and it, you know that, that's that's the vibe that I'm going for. So that you know, I'm more hillbilly Kobe, you know, reaction <laughs> less. You know, less. Uh, you know, oh, if this never mind. I, I was going to throw some shade at my at my former at my former coach, but I, I won't. Shout, uh- shout out, Josh.
0: Look, at the end of the day, and I do take my work seriously when I'm up against a tight deadline, but I try to remember not to take my actual self too seriously. We cover a fucking game. It's yes. not, this this ain't life for death. It's basketball. It's a game. It's meant Guys to be wear fun. wear jerseys.
1: They wear yeah. jerseys to work. <laughs>
0: and if you really think about it, and I don't mean to dump all over – I mean it's my livelihood. I work full-time covering the NBA. People get paid millions of dollars to put a ball in a basket, and what they do is impressive. But it's like, this is a game. This should be fun. And I get that fans are passionate. The irrational takes are what drive. Like, that's part of fandom. But this is supposed to be fun. Like, this is not, I, I'm not operating on it. I'm not a heart surgeon. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not doing anything that's actually, if I stop doing what I do tomorrow, guess what? The world doesn't notice. It doesn't change. It doesn't mean a thing. We should be having fun with this.
1: And I would notice, this, but you know, to, to the larger point, <laughs> yeah. so, so, it's true. It, it's, it's true. But
0: that's why I keep doing what I do because I know that Jabari Jabari would notice. That's yeah. The reason I, I
1: keep going. I'm like, wait a second, time out. Wait, where's Dan? <laughs> where, where 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 is Dan? He has not put an episode out in over a week. That's not like him. What the hell's going
0: on? Uh, Jabari, are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and and all your work?
1: Yes, uh, as I always do. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I mean it when I say it. It's always a great time talking you know you know talking hoops with you. So I, I hope that you. Your spreadsheet tells you that it's never a bother. Please reach out at any time. I'm simple Jabari Davis NBA on Twitter, 19 dot com for the group that I am, you know, that you know, that I am associated with, and that I'm proud to, you to know, proud to be a member of. Um, that's probably your easiest bet.
0: Yeah, and he's a great follow. And for anyone who actually likes me on Twitter, Jabari has influenced me on Twitter because we had a conversation. I don't know if you remember, like a year or something ago, where mm-hmm. it was after I turned thirty and I felt that I couldn't make jokes on Twitter anymore because it was being too immature. And you were like, look, you just gotta be you, I'm 40, whatever you were at the time. So my snarkiness has not changed. I have not stopped tweeting in part because of what you said. So you you are helping pollute people's Twitter timelines by having emboldened me to continue tweeting the way
1: that I do let me just say it like this while we all may think that we are you know you know uh makeshift athletes and you know, you know we're going to be the truth is this athletes they have to retire comedians don't so we can keep getting these jokes off regardless and and, and, and regardless of whether someone sees us as comedians or not there's someone that laughs so we are comedians
0: that's the best way i've heard it framed Jibari, thank you so much for coming on it's, it's always a blast talking to you and i think as you know by now i'm going to come calling again
1: please do thank you again